Welcome back to the basement, boys and girls, cats and dogs. Whatever, whoever you identify with or as, you are all welcome here. You are now tuning into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. Uh, we, this is it, man. This is We have made it to the end of the year. This is our best of 215 uh, podcasts. We're, we're going to sort of run down uh, the albums that meant a lot to us. Uh, you know, it, it's, been a, it's been a crazy year. Uh, we split this into two parts, this podcast. Uh, not just the two-part podcast you can listen to now, but how we do it. Uh, you know, a lot of what we talk about is as albums, and that's just our friends hanging out in the basement here and, and having a few drinks and, and just having a good time. Uh, the other part is sometimes we get to talk to uh, some really cool people. Uh, this year was no exception. Uh, started off, I think, with Chad Clark from Beauty Pill. Uh, it's definitely a, uh, it's a solid conversation. In my opinion, it's the best we've done on this podcast. Uh, Future Birds came down after we reviewed their album. They they listened to our dumbasses and then said, we're going to come down and hang out. That was amazing. We caught up with uh, Nick Sanborn from Made of Oak and Sylvanesso. Uh, that was just recently. That was fun. Uh, got to meet just new people here in D.C. Uh, North Country, Sarah Curtin, Johnny Grave, Mary McLaughlin, Brenda. Finally got Brenda on the show. Uh, Louis Weeks came back. It, it was a great year. Uh, all those are up on the site right now. Um, and I, uh, you know, hopefully they're entertaining. Like I said, I know the Chad Clark one is. Uh, but, you know, go listen to those. And then, But the other part of our podcast, like I said, is uh, that we review albums. Um, lists at the end of the year can get wonky. They have grown in size uh, exponentially in, in the media. You know, started off top 10 and top 15. Oh, maybe we've got to do top 25 to, to beat out... Outlet XYZ this year, uh, expanding up to 100, 150. It's gotten sort of ridiculous. And really, what's the point anyway? Past a certain point, you're just listing albums that came out. Um, so I had one real request, inviting people down here. And I said, hey, look, you know, I, we can do that, but we're not going to. We stopped doing that actually two years ago. But w- what I'd rather we do is is you talk about the albums that really connected with you and that are going to go with you forward whether it's just for uh, a year in 2016 or as you'll hear some albums you know for the next 20 years uh and so invited uh paul of course uh carrie eduardo patrick and quinn down to the basement and we uh just had a few drinks and hung out and talked about music and it was fantastic uh, so that's what you, that's what you get to hear today. It's also, um, you know, because there's a lot of uh, cheerleading and stuff going on. I think uh, that doesn't do any good because there's a light and a dark side to everything. It's a little force plug or Star Wars plug there. Um, you know, we we start off this talking about Kendrick Lamar, uh, but then we actually talk about the albums that disappointed us because it, that's a real thing, and I think it's okay to talk about that. Uh, it doesn't mean. That we're bashing on anybody, you know, it's all in good fun. But you know, there's stuff sometimes that you're sitting around and you're you're like, yeah, yeah, I really just wanted that to be this, and, and it isn't, and it, it sucks. Uh, so we're gonna talk about a little bit of that. But then it's gonna be all super positive uh, as we get into our best of 2015. So uh, I guess that means we should get going. Uh, so here we go. This is part one of uh, our best of 2015. You're going to hear Carrie, Patrick, and Eduardo. Um, episode 146 of Chunk Glass the Podcast. Hey, 
Grab a seat. Get comfortable. Here we go. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. That right there is a lot of power. Brennan. And a bottle of bourbon. Are, are these heady cupcakes? Well, who brought the Aquavita down? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> Eva and and cat and there? Eva and cat fights upstairs. The uh, the boys, the G's are fighting. Uh, wow! If you're just tuning in, welcome to <laughs> the year end podcast of uh, of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. It's just starting out with uh, the cat fight. Yes, it is. Uh, down here we have Paul as. Expected. Hey. Uh, Quinn, Carrie, hey. Eduardo, Patrick, hey. uh, Andrew, the younger Powell, give me a shout out or whatever. What's up? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, if you tuned in last week, we talked about the best of DC. Quinn was down here for that. That uh, was fun. Things got a little slurry. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Uh, they might today. Um, but now we are at uh, the, the very last podcast we're going to do this year. We have spent the entire year. Uh, hanging out, drinking some beers, uh, fighting over Sleater Kenny. Some, <laughs> um, and uh, in general, though, trying to uh, give you some perspective on the music that has come out this year, and so the year is over. Unless Chance drops his fucking album at eleven p.m., then we'll, then we'll do an emergency podcast. We'll do an emergency podcast. Uh, so before we get into uh, we we don't, as we said on the DC podcast. We don't really do lists here anymore, uh, partially because that keeps Alt J from getting into anything we do, Carrie. <laughs> uh, but also, <laughs> but but also, it's it's you know all the sites, the bigger sites have top fifty, top hundred, top hundred fifty, and whatnot. And I don't believe any of those people actually ever connected with those albums. So the one thing I said when I invited you guys down here for this, I said, come with the stuff that really you're going to take forward with you into 2016 or beyond. Uh, not just like the stuff you think is good because I mean, we all fall into that trap, Paul. <laughs> and, you know, uh, mini, mini Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but, but at the end of the day, we, we end up listening to certain albums. And, and so I think that's what we want to be. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I will, Take a quibble with just a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of that, <laughs> oh God, because I'm you surprised. don't want to. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I don't think that, you, that it, personally, at least, and I think everybody makes their list a different different way. Uh, Quinn mm-hmm. and I were talking about this earlier, but uh, the albums that I've got listed are not necessarily the ones that I've listened to the most during the course of the year, since that 
Okay. Puts a preference on the ones that come earlier. But it also but uh they are the ones that I think are the highest quality and the ones that have stuck with me the most. Um but like any other art form, some things you might listen to a few times and they affect you a lot. Some might you might listen to fifteen times because they get stuck to your stuck in your head, yeah. but they don't stick after they're off the speakers. M- music so. inherently different than film, where if you see a film that you're like, This is amazing, I wouldn't want to watch it again, it still might be in your top five. Music, there's got to be this question. Yeah, there's going to be some kind of replay value, but sometimes you don't. uh, Well, sometimes you want something a little more bubblegum than uh, than deep thoughts. But anyway, I I do agree with your general principle, though, Kevin. Good. Uh, Four years, five years almost doing this. (laughs) I hope you do. (laughs) (laughs) I keep coming back. Yeah, exactly. Um, So before we get into uh, our not list, uh, I want to talk about two things. Uh, First of all, at the top, I know you are my list, uh, possibly Eduardo's, not Patrick, but what should be uh, at the top of everybody's list, I think, is the Kendrick Lamar record to Pimp a Butterfly this year. There's an entire podcast on this, so we won't you know, necessarily indulge this too much. But if you look and think about all the things, and you can look in the show notes right now and see like our list and see all these albums, and think about all the things that happened this year and were just, were just music. Like this is a thing that still is sort of mind-boggling to me that it happened. Like when when what's going on came out, you know, and what was that sixty-seven, sixty-eight, something like that. Not a facts-based podcast doesn't matter. Later than that. Yeah, yeah, but 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 when that came out, that a generation stood up and listened to it, and it meant something, and and it it calmed some things that were going on. You know, racial tensions, uh, tensions in. I think Vietnam at the time. Uh, there, there have been these albums that come out, and I'm 43 years old. They haven't come out when I've been aware of them. And this came out, and it was just like, fuck. Because I think for the first time you heard it, I think the first time I heard it, Eduardo probably, it, this, is, this is a, I don't want to say game-changing, it just is a thing that should have always been and now always will be. Is that... Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's um, it's it's very. Uh, I mean, I'm wearing my my Kunta's Groove uh, Sessions shirt, and um, you know, I remember at the show the kind of the um, you know before the encore, the crowd just started chanting, "We're gonna be all right, we're gonna be all right," um, over and over again, and this went on for like six or seven minutes, and I and I think it's it's happened at quite a few stops along um, that tour, and it was just you know the sort of the energy in that room, the level of, of focus, and the, and the response when he actually played that song was yeah. just something. I mean, I've, I, I don't think I've really seen a moment where an artist who was sort of at the top of his game kind of doing almost a victory lap and doing it yeah. in, like, in like small venues, you yeah. know, got to just sort of lap up the well-deserved adulation of all these people coming out thinking that this album is important and that it means something and that it says something about the state of the world right now. Yeah. Paul? Yeah, I'm. I'll keep this short because, like you said, we've we've talked about this all year. But I think it's uh, it's the rare album that everybody I think knew when they heard it that not only was it a musically significant album, but it was a socially significant album, and that you can see in real time how that played out during the year. Like, yeah, a lot of great albums take time to find the context. They yeah. take uh, they take a historical element. This is something that was present and prescient and is taking on more significance as you look at it with recent history and 
I won't say it's unprecedented because I'm sure that uh, a student of musical history could find a dozen examples. To but throw but right in your life, in your lifetime, but, in, uh, but awareness, it's it's something that I yeah, it's something that I can't remember um, yeah. taking that exact same path, and it's unique because of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like I heard I, uh, and, and yes. Mar- Marcus is going to be here uh, later, but he's not here now. Sort of wish he was, but and he was on the podcast when we talked about it. Uh, but I heard I the other day in. in listening to the playlist that I made for this podcast, like my best of, and honestly got a little teared up. He came back just to give you some games. All the money. Ah. What's your, what's your, what's happening for you? I'd have been through a whole lot. Tried tribulation, but I know God. The devil wanna put me in a bow tie. Played at the holy water, don't go try, yeah, yeah. Look around me So many motherfuckers wanna down me But in a me gonna never drown me In front of a dirty double me where they found me And I love myself huh? I want you looking at me I tell me what do you see I love myself I put a bullet in the back of the back of the head And I put me I love myself uh, Illuminated by the hand of God Boy, don't seem shy I love myself One day at a time They wanna say it's a war side Bomb in the street, gone in the hood like it's just everything on this is so powerful and you can there's the criticism of this album i think and people uh, like paste can i call them racist <laughs> no i well i mean I, I just did i actually did it on twitter so but uh, you know put like say father john misty over this like or missing the social significance of this album um you know there there's there's pop hip-hop there is there's pop everything and pop genres and stuff and then there's just this yeah i mean i think that's a that's a bit of a trap and i don't want to derail the podcast right right at the beginning but you do see the same thing every year with movies where there are Mm -hmm. where there's the movie that folks coalesce around because they're like this is the important one and sometimes it's the best and sometimes it's not like i don't know it's not even the important one well but but the thing is i don't i don't fault somebody (laughs) i don't fault somebody who thought that another album was better than this yeah no Um, no no if you don't if you don't recognize that it's quality then i'm going to question your music taste but if you're like personally i liked these two albums better than better than than uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, then I'm not going to say you've got a problem or that you're you know racist because you didn't recognize it for its significance. Because okay, just really really white. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying out of that one too. Right. So <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So I I think the um, one thing that I'm glad of that this has been mentioned a lot in the uh, in all the year end kind of sum ups is that. Um, not only is it really important, but it's also really fucking good. Like, it's a really yeah. good album. It works as an album well, in a way, like, every song on it sounds better in the context of the album than it does as an individual yeah, track, yeah, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's weird because there's been a backlash on it, people saying I didn't enjoy it, which actually I think was one of your notes, as much as I wanted to. And, so, and I mean, yeah. that, that's fair. I, I don't think... It's gruesome subject matter. It's gruesome. <laughs> wait, wait. When he said one of your notes, he was pointing to me, not Eduardo. Yeah, just yeah, for the record. yeah. Just yeah. so the record is clear. <laughs> Lawyer, thank you, counselor. <laughs> you know, and uh, and but but yeah, it it is, and that's why I brought up the pop thing because I think people had expectations of this instead of what it just is is a raw statement on the state of us. Like it is a it is a very black culture centric album for sure. But it also, in doing that, speaks to like everything we are, and 
Like it's like no album on my list touched it. Yeah. Got close yeah. to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any other album on my list that I spent like a quarter of the year listening to pretty much on repeat. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, to to take a, a comparison from this year, I think that folks who are making that complaint about it not being but in addressing the subject matter, but not being as easy to listen to, might have wanted it to be summertime '06, and yeah. it was something yeah. heavier than that. So yeah, well, summertime '06 is a great record. It's got great parts. We're gonna get to that. We're okay. gonna get that. <laughs> right. uh, so so that is. We just want to talk about Kendrick Lamar up front, so people won't be wondering at the back end, like, why aren't you talking about Kendrick Lamar? Because it's just sort of yeah. slayed. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, before we get into our list, though, I, there there were, as there are in every year, uh, some letdowns. You know, we we all have, and we try to. We we actually talk about Paul and I talk about this a lot on G Chat. We talked about it just the other day, actually, about how our expectations color things. Uh, and uh, he has narratives that he thinks how I am, and I have narratives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. No uh, one wants to be on those G Chat. No, no, no. But the reality is, is I'd like they, them to be published. <laughs> but the, the the reality is, is that, that we do all suffer from our expectations, and there is no way to uh, take this in purely. A lot of times, we all suffer from Kevin's expectations. Whoa! <laughs> Damn! Hey. I've been quiet. For- <laughs> Yes! Good timing. Wait, do you mean you personally have suffered from Kevin having high expectations of you and no, you letting him down taste. or the music? <laughs> I'm going to let that question just answer itself. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> damn, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Thunder Dome is a- uh, so, uh, but, but I want to talk about it real quick because every year there are uh, super hyped albums. That that is one component of it, but there's also other things like you could really love a band and and really be like, yeah, this is this is gonna be the best thing ever, and they have to continue this to infinity. Uh, Sound Opinions is a great podcast, which you probably listen to if you if you're listening to this. Uh, they do a great thing on Thanksgiving called Turkey Shoot, which is gonna be a little more eloquent than this. Uh, but uh, but I think we'll start with Paul here. Like, what what album really let you down this year? Um. Well, I don't think that my pick is going to be a surprise to anybody in this room or anybody who actually listens to the podcast. Uh, it's Father John Misty's new album, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> wow. And the thing is that uh, we we self edit a lot right here. I'm not saying it's the worst al- it's the worst album of the year. Nobody can listen to all the music that's out there, yeah. and I think all of us. <laughs> if you dig deep enough, you will find one worse. Right, all all, all of us. Shy away from music that we know just isn't going to be in our wheelhouse. So, yeah. So this right here, I think I think everybody came into this hoping for a great album, and some people found one. It's been at the top well, of some. Because you, you like Fear Fun because of the Dodgers fan line. I, I that that was a great song. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I, I liked I liked about half of Fear Fun. I, I the thing is I was not I, I'll say I was not as big a fan of Fear Fun as some people who were on this podcast. Um, or others why, are you, why are you looking at me? I'm not looking at you. I'm looking around the room. This is a pan. <laughs> it's a pan. Um, but others, you know, others liked it more. I think that Father John Misty took his uh, kind of puckish persona and made himself into an asshole on this one. Yeah. It was always a little there under the scenes, but it seemed a little bit more fun before. And this year, he was just a dick. And I... I don't want to listen to someone who seems like he's got that much contempt for his audience. Yeah. Because I'm his audience. 
Well, he he actively called out people at his live show here just to kind of drive a nail through how much of an asshole he is. Yeah. Um, People, you know, people were being stupid and yelling out dumb things at the concert. But at the same time, you can be like this cocksure kind of guy. And then when you put out an album that is basically I'm so far up my own ass that this is now unlistenable. And then you actively call out people like he, you know, basically took himself off stage and started like calling down people in the audience at the 930 Club. That's that's kind of unacceptable. Yeah, it's about I mean, for me, it was I mean, were were you on the No, no. uh, Jarrett from Astrovia was uh, and uh, Ideal Husband is a ridiculous fucking song partially because it is the distillation of the asshole character like it's that it's horrifying it's it's fucking great but everything around it is like is like that's what you are man like there's a line people people try to separate their art from like who they are and, and i don't think that line is actually that clear ever if not if you're doing good art and you know he I, yeah he just showed, showed his hand as like it's sort of a dick yeah, well, and and not to belabor the point, but there are there are plenty of artists who are not good people and who sing about that. But part of that is, I think, a self awareness. Yeah. And here he cloaks himself in so many layers of irony that you can you can never effectively call him out because everything is with a wink and a nod. And at the end of the day, you still go like, "Wow, but that guy's kind of a dick." Yeah. And in some ways it's an encapsulation of this like meta, meta, meta commentary (laughs) culture we've got right here. (laughs) Like you can't get down to where the actual sincerity is. And I just don't have patience for it with this album. Quinn. I liked the uh, Father John Misty record. Yeah. Um, You have feels? I don't have feels, um, but I thought. None? uh, On that record at least. But I thought, I thought the songwriting was fun. Um, I thought not as good as Fear Fun. Anyway. Um, uh, my, I had two letdowns, real mm-hmm. letdowns. Um, the first is not really worth talking about. It's girl pool. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we have high yeah. expectations. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know why it's not worth talking about it? Because there's a podcast where I think I even scared you. you scared me a little bit. <laughs> um, who was here? Was Marcus here? You, me and Marcus. Yeah. Um, I was just a listener and I could tell that that episode. Marcus was in the corner just being like, yo, like we know this record sucks. Like, because, let, but, let's just like, it, why are we talking about but it? But it was super awkward because even I didn't know that I was going to like react that strongly to it. And the more, <laughs> the more we talked about it and we got down here and it was just like, man, this, this is bullshit. Right. So the one sentence <laughs> on Girlpool is I saw them about a year and a half ago. And they had one like EP out, and I was really into it. I was like, "This is cool. I'm excited yeah. to see where this goes." They're like 18 years old at the time. Then they put out an awful record. Um, they lose anything that made them interesting. They lost the like ferocity and like angst of their like first EP, and tried to make a bedroom pop record because I guess that's in vogue or whatever. And it was bad. Yeah. And and they basically went from playing like you know someone's basement to selling out but is that, is that a thing is that a bad thing to that's you? that's not a bad thing like i'm not i'm not i i just i think people really love that record and i don't get it like we were talking about a certain person who had it on his list earlier yeah um i know about i know a lot of people who love that record and yeah. i'm not about it but the real letdown for me and it isn't so much it wasn't a full letdown it's still an okay record was the deer hunter record um oh. Because they are my all-time favorite band, I really? would say like top, top 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 three for sure. 
Um, I thought it was Boston, but uh, now I don't know you. Boston's uh, number two. Okay. Um, but I love, love Deer Hunter, and I've seen them four times. I just saw them at 930 Club last a week ago today, and it was a great show, but their best moments were their older songs. Um, I thought their record, new record, didn't even appro- didn't really approach uh, the level of anything they've made before, uh, and that is a shame. They were making kind of generic indie rock songs. Um, so you wanted songs. you wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted more weirdness. That's like yeah. that was the part of Deer Hunter I really liked was that they would they like kind of combined like ambient and punk in a cool weird way. And Bradford Cox was like this weird enigmatic. He's an asshole, but he's not a dick. Uh, is an important clarification to make with Father John Misty. Wait, uh, does it make him like a taint? What are we talking about here? We're, we're yeah, doing he, some uh, Team America stuff right here now, aren't we? <laughs> All right, but see, it's, it's not an anatomical correct podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now the facts based podcast. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of attorneys, you know, doctors on the actual podcast. Um, but I was let down, even though it was still a pretty good. A pretty good record. Uh, I mean, pretty good. It's still a good live show. The record is not that great, and it's kind of disappointing. All right. But, yeah. Um, Gary? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I had... Uh, it, it's like a, a big distinction between like stuff that I thought was just shitty and then things that I was disappointed in. <laughs> and so I, I went with... For my one pick, um, I'm going to pick Beach House uh, as the, yeah. the thing that... Which, which Beach House? That... that <laughs> Burn! It just burns, burns, burns. Um, it writes I, itself, folks. <laughs> I uh, actually had a lot of high hopes for Depression Cherry. I, you know, people bashed Bloom for being Teen Dream Two. I liked it for that. I was really looking for more of that. I wasn't looking for anything new or groundbreaking. Um, what they did was they put out an album that is basically just a lot of ambient background noise. That's not really. Yeah. The, their, their prior albums, it's layer upon layer, and then you get to these crescendos that are just tremendous and really um, like capture a lot of uh, emotion when you're listening to the song. And on pretty much everything on Depression Cherry, it builds up to about a four and a half, and then it just stays there. I, I forget who I was listening to, but they said they were exactly the same. Yeah, like it goes you, somewhere. And it's, you keep waiting. You, you, the, the idea of... of of build and release in yeah. music is their attention and release is, right. is a very important thing. Like if you're going to build these slow things that said, you uh, actually one in my top 10 is more about mood and yeah. you can have mood, but I don't think beach house is about that. Right. Well, that's the thing is that it, it, if you're looking at, I don't think it's a bad album. I don't think it's, it's definitely something that if I'm in the mood for pleasant background, ambient noise, then I'll mm-hmm. have it on. There are a few, um, a few scenarios, like a few points in the album where the vocals devolve into this really terrible '70s harmonies that sounds like some shit from like the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid soundtrack. Whoa. I don't know if anybody is familiar with. Oh, it's just, you know uh, I am. That, well, all right. Other other than <laughs> raindrops keep falling right? on my head. No, <laughs> it's not. It's B.J. Nelson. 
<laughs> doesn't matter. Regent Thomas, sorry. Um, but it's that, it's that some of the harmonies are absolutely terrible. But the whole album is it's fine. It's not a terrible album. But if you're saying what's my what's the disappointment from the year? I was really looking forward to that album. I, a lot you of people three were looking years forward to, to come it. out with something, right. and then you know the the stuff on like the best the best cuts from Bloom you know, went all the way up to a 10 and, and it was great. This just, it just kind of stays at that five level. And it yeah, was, I it, found it, it depressing. It, that, that was actually one that we knew it was coming out and we were like, well, Baltimore, yep. we probably should cover yeah. that stuff. And I listened to it and uh, this is just me personally. It's completely unremarkable. This is me talking right now. My, right. my personal opinion is that it was one of the more boring albums I've yeah. ever heard. And it, it feels like they just phoned it in. Like, Yeah, even the lyrics are just, banal everything's just just boring it's just it's just not very good well is i i would agree but is that why they put they put out this new thank you lucky stars well and and that's they're like like this is i think i i thought the media narrative on that was oh depression cherry was just this we did this to fulfill our record contract basically here's the true album not saying thank you lucky stars is a better album i that's that doubles down on the boring but <laughs> yeah, but they, they had created this. Mer- but mer- but I think I think you're on to something. I think I think what it is is like, yeah, they, they had to like fulfill a record contract or felt they had to do something or, you know, Beach House got to eat. You know, they, right. they I mean, they aren't comfortable with selling out because they do sell out every single show they play. They're going to sell out mm-hmm. Teen Dream. I I think we reviewed Bloom. I'm not going to talk about that. There, we, but, we reviewed Bloom. But but they but they actually like laid a foundation for them that should be able to carry them forward like this isn't this isn't gonna hurt them at all in fact a lot of people no. put it on there well, it's fine. yeah it's fine it's a fine album but if but for if, condescending music right. listeners right <laughs> if, if it's just the other thing that i was really disappointed in uh was elvi because i i might be the only nationals the only fan yeah. of the national on this podcast but um i was really looking forward to that coming out and it is awful i agree uh, as a 75% fan of the national. Right. I think the Elvia record is terrible. Oh, it's it's the worst songs off the box. I tried to listen to it in the it's car on the road trip, terrible. but we had to turn it off. Yeah, it's terrible. In a car. It's Kevin, can you sing terrible. some of that for us? I cannot. <laughs> it's terrible. I absolutely cannot. Yeah, it's I mean, the Brennan really might bad. be able to. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so bad I don't even want to talk about it anymore. So, Eduardo. Eduardo. What you got? Move, right. move the mic around, sir. Yeah. So I almost, uh, I almost pulled a super troll move, and uh, I almost picked Casey Musgraves just so we could have <laughs> you, can do you that. guys relitigate that fantastic episode. I would imply you had expectations for Casey Musgraves. Well, oh. I, I did, I did. I'm, I'm so in my mind, like Casey Musgraves and. Um, and Taylor Swift are locked in this like Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, like Jedi fight. Like they are, they're like, they're like trying to outduel each other. And, um, and so I really thought Casey Musgraves was going to step up her game. And um, pageant material is, is I like it. It's a fine album. It's just not, it's just not a, a quantum, the quantum. Leap and I and was as I said to you, so, we had yeah. both Daria and I, which she will hopefully be down here on the mic later. Uh, had, High expectations for that. I and yours were met. I, uh, mine were blown away. Wow! Like yeah. there, there was no. Maybe, maybe it was because I was like, "This is probably going to suck." Wait, I thought you said you were almost going to pull a troll move. I, um, <laughs> yeah, all right. So my real so. <laughs> So the one person paying. So let's let's move on from my fall. prefatory remarks to my real pick, uh, which was the Mountain Goats beat the champ. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just, yeah. I you know there was this like, I just like John, John Darnielle so much, um, 
and and, and I, first I, problem. <laughs> Ooh, damn. Uh, There's one good song in there, dude. Uh, yeah, it's... are you coming after the sunset tree, man? Yeah, I know. I know. That's the thing. Like that album is Mike. that album and Separation All hail Sunday. West like, great album. Uh, right? I mean, I mean, there's just he's he like he's prolific. So he might only be batting like 300, but right. but like, damn. There's, um, there's like two and a half good songs in that album. I I I, I like. I don't know. I listen to it a handful of times, and and usually like on my first listen of a new Mountain Goats album, there's a song that like immediately like seizes me and I just it just won't let me go and I can't I just don't remember anything from from this album so and and it had so much promise it's like a full full length uh, album that's a story and it's, it's and it's, it's it's in his wheelhouse and it just didn't land for me at all it's so. funny another reason I'm sad Marcus isn't here yet is because like so he used to work in professional wrestling oh and yeah. so for him this is like this is a masterful Oh really? Yeah. See, I like I, I was partly bringing that up, hoping that someone here would be like, "Are you fucking crazy? This is the best thing since the Sunset Tree, and you should, you know." And this album is actually well worth your time. Yeah. But I guess, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you really like metaphors about wrestling, it's probably worth your time. Yeah, but it, I didn't read those John Irving stories. I don't know. Why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick. Oh, uh, oh notes. It's. Rare that this happens, but I am going to at least in part agree with Paul. Um, no. I was an early adapter on Father John Misty. I even liked the Jay Tillman stuff um, a little bit. Um, when Fear Fun came out, I went just crazy. Batshit was like in Philadelphia on work, scouring record stores. Like, where? how come I can't find the vinyl? Like, just looking for it. Saw him live twice on the tour. Loved it. Was just crazy for that record. Played it all the time. Uh I had very high hopes. I think similar to what you're saying, Fear Fun is this like fun, semi-inebriated like um, exploration of what it means to be liberated. And I Love You Honey Bear is <laughs> just this like f- hate-filled like takedown of the female race. Like it's the worst. Yeah. It made me like I female really race? tried hard. I, I I pre-ordered the vinyl. It showed up. I put it on, and my wife and I just looked at each other halfway through it. Like, what? What? You know, just and maybe we had too many expectations. I don't want to say an artist can't change their tone. Uh, you know, he should feel free to do what he wants. But uh, it's for someone who I think thrived on, on some level, like a a little bit of a party vibe and a throwback to some of those great L.A. seventies falling down a well hole of inebriation and drug use albums that are very entertaining uh he just went in a place that is really just gross he's a he's a myspace commenter yeah (laughs) Uh, wow so i have two more to add they're not really most disappointing they're more like albums that i just think are really highly rated uh that i i I couldn't get into and i should say before that because i didn't say anything specific on kendrick i I think it's genius i just I do, it's not something I go out of my way to listen to the whole thing all the way through. And I do think that I know everyone thinks All Right, including the president, thinks All Right is the best song of the year. I think King No, Kuta, actually, he thinks no, he uh, said, uh, What a Dollar Cost. Yeah. Oh, What a Dollar Cost. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, all Right is at the top of a couple of lists. Uh, King Kunta, I think, is it's probably the best and most important song of the year, which is almost never the same thing. Um, so I just, it's, for whatever reason, I, I don't go out of my way to put the album on. But 
that doesn't mean that it's yeah, sort of like no, no. I also don't go to my way to watch like um Straw Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so the the two most disappointing and I'm not trying I would to watch troll Straw here, Dogs the, 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 on the, right now. The, yeah. the, the, two, the two most overrated and I'm not trying to troll cuz I know there are people in this room who like him. One for me was Slater Slater Kenny No Cities to Love. I Fuck I you. I tried. I've listened to this album 10 different times here's your five i've listened to it like in a house with a mouse i will not eat green eggs and ham i can't get into it and the the other one is the tame impala album which we talked about in this podcast no arguments there's at least one song that i sort of like which is i'm a man because i think it's funny but even uh i was listening to kexp at work (laughs) i was listening to kexp the other day at work and they were like here's a song that's probably on a lot of our listeners and it was let it happen and i listened to it and i go this song is three minutes too long. Nothing is happening at the end of this song. It's I'm, really boring. Point, I'm surprised that uh, Kevin Shields and, Tam- and uh, Kurt Vile haven't gotten together and just like <laughs> yeah. fucked each other, basically. Oh, like, whoa. Sorry to, so sorry that's to elevate. The, that's sorry the end of my rant. That's why we're an explicit up. podcast. But like, they are, it's a lot of ego Ooh, going around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, it, it's funny. I, I have two my, myself. Uh, Three actually, but one wasn't. It's not worth mentioning. But the uh, but, he's I, wa- but I'm going to anyway. But I'm going to. Uh, I, I was a little sad about the My Morning Jacket record. Yeah. It's a weird fan base because I, I agree. I was quite sad because uh, I personally am on board with the Eve Origins forward Insecurital. Yeah. In fact, uh, the lady is sitting over there. We used to make fun of Insecurital, <laughs> and and then we're like. This is awesome. And then saw him live, I guess, the past two times we were at Marin Weather Post here in D.C. or outside of D.C. Uh, so that, I mean, not surprising, but it was just sort of like, oh, wah, wah. I mean, they were, uh, up until the Marin Weather show, the worst band I'd ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. I, I saw him back in the early days. But uh, uh, the t- I had the same thought on that album, but it's. I wasn't expecting anything from it, so it didn't. That, that's why, me. and that, so that's, that's why. why it's not on my. That's why. I, that's personally just a sad. That's yeah. not like disappointing. The Tim and Paul album, though, that that actually is uh, really. Uh, you know, Lonerism was. Uh, it's just been a downward slide for them, and and yet there's been a critical slide upwards. And so, I mean, the thing about it is, is that like Kevin Parker is obviously talented in the studio. Kevin Parker, I call him Kevin Shields. Huh? I call him Kevin Shields. That's the My Bloody Valentine guy. That is my Bloody anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also a band that sucks. Unpopular opinions. Agree, agree, agree. But... People that like Bloody Valentine going that into the room. People that like don't like... But, but it really... Like you said, it just... It went nowhere. It was boring. It is indicative of a type of music that dominates like the pitchfork charts the consequence sound that is just there Cold. somebody made an album and they're like well you made it so therefore we have to like raise it up and I, and I say no don't do that Court Vile is in the same way that album was boring as fuck <laughs> like his last album you know and it was just it's just like but Smoke Ring for My Halo was really good <laughs> Smoke Ring for My Halo is really good uh, and, and honestly I, I will go further like I think War on Drugs last year got lucky because Slave Ambient was sort of boring, and they were following the Kurt Vile thing. Like, we're just going to... I mean, they're on a similar trajectory. They have played in and out of each other's bands. And I don't know how that album happened. And I know that the next album is not going to be that. I don't know. That album was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slave Ambient? 
No. no. We're at I was like, what are you okay. All right. But the one that really let me down was uh, It's an album that doesn't exist It's Frank Ocean's album (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming And I mean look Mr. Ocean if you're listening to this podcast uh, You have an ample It is July 175th Maybe 375th You know you have an ample chance to drop this If you haven't finished it that's fine Uh, I don't uh, enjoy the the PR hypery or whatnot. You know, he took pictures with a product that seemed interesting. He was going to do a book with it and all this stuff. Channel Orange was one of the best albums of the decade. And I just want to... I want him to do more. Paul is frowning. And, You're getting uh, a lot of stink eyes yeah, all yeah. around the room. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it just has not appeared. Yeah. He's, he's uh, the new D'Angelo. Just get used to it. <laughs> Yeah, but if we get that album in yeah. 10 years, then it'll be overhyped. Well, so that is our letdowns. So Patrick, we're gonna start with you. Um, uh, let let us in on your year of music in 2015. All right. Um, well, I'm, I must say I'm very excited to be on my first year end podcast. Indeed, Couldn't make you it missed last it last year. year. I did. Um, so I'm just gonna plug through these a little bit. If anybody wants to talk about them, let's talk about them. But I'll sort of give a few comments and we can keep going. So I didn't make a list of top ten because. I'm old enough now that I know uh, what I'm sort of most interested in is the albums I listen to the most, and I think that I will continue to listen to the most. So that's what my list is. Uh, the number one item on the list is the Bob Dylan official bootleg, <laughs> volume, volume 12. No surprises the there. The Cutting Edge, 1965 to 66. I feel the email, that. text, or really like, should we talk about it in the podcast? Like, no, Patrick, uh, we should not. I recommend, <laughs> I rec- I recommend the six CD version. Not the 18 or the. Is there two. an 81 CD? There is an 18 CD version, and I know someone who purchased it. Who's a? It, there are only 500 copies in the world. It's like 600 dollars, and he, I can't remember where he purchased it, but he got a follow up email that said he gets 281 live cuts from the 65, 66 tour as a bonus, which I was pretty jealous of. But look, wow. we're talking found on the high seas later today. Exactly. So, so we're talking about. You know, it, was this that pharma bro who bought the Wu Tang album? Different, different guy. <laughs> different guy. Uh, so we're talking about you know uh, outtakes and studio stuff from uh, Bring It All Back Home, uh, Highway sixty one revisited, and Blonde on Blonde. It's it's the Macbeth, Hamlet, and King Lear of the sixties. If you wanted to watch or listen to Shakespeare write those, you would you would do that if you were interested in those plays so there's no reason not to listen to it the disc where he it's just i think it's the third disc of the six is just uh uh, the development of the song like a rolling stone and then you know at the end they sort of isolate the the four tracks it is just amazing to listen to uh my second one which will also be no surprise to the people who know me is wilco's star wars uh nothing more needs to be said there except that one of the great joys of my year was to go not only to the 
Solid Sound Festival, but to cover it for uh, Chunky Glasses. Uh, third album I had on here was Courtney Barnett's Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit, um, which we talked about in the podcast. The fourth one I have, and Kevin, you and I have had some texts and emails about this, is D'Angelo's Black Messiah. Yeah. I... Yeah, it took me a while to get going. It was a grower for me, but right. Once but what I, did you say about it? Once I got there, I think it's pound for pound um, more listenable than the Kendrick Lamar album. Mm-hmm. I think the themes are somewhat similar, although yeah, in different ways. Are. But um, I, I do think it's, uh, and I know that's technically last year, but I, I, I like my, many others counted as twenty. No, we voted in. We is yeah. Can I can I interject a, a slight sure. knock on that album? Which is that in hindsight now I realize that that was the first um, uh, physical copy of an album that I bought that started the worst trend of the year, which is the no download code. Yeah. When you buy was it? vinyl, yeah, there was no there was no download code with oh. the, and I assumed it was because the because it was uh, the vinyl only came out like three months or so after the album came out, so maybe the presumption was that everyone who wanted it had already bought it digitally, but the fact remains that if you bought the LP, there was no download code. Well, we're going to talk about that. that. Bullshit at the end. Because that is bullshit. Yeah. So So most of my next ones, well, the next two come from a a podcast that featured uh, uh, Kevin and Eduardo, which is (laughs) Phil Cook's Southland Mission and the Future Birds Hotel Parties. I was not even a buy on that uh, podcast, but after that show. It it shot up for you? And listening to it again, and I think it's very, it's a very good album. Yeah. Uh, I think they really did a a great job. I'm 100% with you on that. Not to to start your time here, but I was going to make... uh, very much that same point, which is that I was so wrong about that album being a stream. Hotel Parties is just superb. I put it on for the first time in a while the other night, and it was just, just a, just a triumphant, like, just a fantastic piece of work. So, um, you and I had a lot of fun that night, as I recall. But uh, I don't remember. But uh, but it turns out we were dead wrong in everything we said. So. Well, I think I think I think we were right in that we were favorable towards it. I think. As we discussed on that podcast, the hard thing about the future birds, for whatever reason, is the words don't leap off the page. It takes right. four or five listens to to get into that. But once you're there, it's great. And I thought the show was tremendous, and the band was really yep. cool. So I'm probably biased because I met them here. Uh, next one I have is Colin Stetz and Sarah New- Newfeld. Never also, were the way she was. Just from mo- listen one to listen a thousand. Just every time. Was I, I've been looking at it's it's. Spoiler, it's, it's on my list as well. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of lists and not seeing it on It's there. not on much, yeah. And, and it's it's weird it's because great. you have two, honestly, like, hipster media bait artists. Like, they're just like, come on, you made something. It's all you need, you made something. But it's fantastic. I agree. Um, it sounds like Edward Gorey, like, wrote a... <laughs> Like an indie masterpiece yeah. for 2015. It's really, if you have children and you want to scare them, just put that album on and <laughs> turn the lights off. Harry? Uh, I use the podcast for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, ah, nice, nice, nice. All right. So the next Andrew one I, Powell with the keeping the hits coming. The next one I have is Dave Rawlings Machine, Nashville Obsolete. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't on that podcast because I couldn't make it. Um, it, it the show was fantastic. The, For you. Y- yes. The, uh, but my one criticism that album at the beginning was I like when Jillian sings more than Dave sings, but that also for me has been the more I've listened to it, the more I've just fallen into it. I think it's just great. It, it falls into, like, honestly, it's on my list, but it's almost as a uh, almost made it. Yeah. I, 
if you put that in front of a friend together, right? I mean, here's the thing. When we said this on the podcast, when we reviewed it, Dave Rollins is um, amazing. Ginger, Jillian uh, Welch, amazing, Just phenomenal. Yeah, and it, we have more. So there's more coming. So <laughs> like, it's it's good. Okay, uh, I, I just want just a quick sidebar here. When going through and doing research for these lists, I think that album has the biggest disconnect between critical consensus yes. and showing up on lists I agree. that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like nobody People would say crazy thing about it. And it's and got, I think it's got like a 97 on Metacritic and I, I saw it on like one list. And, and this is why huge. it's because Dave because Dave Rollins is so consistently like excellent and above everybody and mm. I and I won't say in like a Kendrick way. Like I don't <laughs> think it's socially relevant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but there's also the song "Candy" on there. Which yeah. Is, yes. Just, let's just let's just you know put that out there. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. But but I think people recognize how perfect uh, of uh, technicians that they both are, and that band, whatever whatever band they plug into the machine. Yeah. Like there was, uh, I think it was Paul Cowart, and it could be wrong there, but uh, it was uh, Punch Brothers. Yeah. It was on this version of right. it, but. The point is they they produce fantastic art and they will continue to. And that'll be an album in twenty years. You'll put it on; it'll sound exactly the same as it sounds and now. That's it's sort of timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to skip to number ten and come back to number nine. Number ten is one I didn't know. I wouldn't have known about, it, but for Quinn and Kevin, which is the La Luz album, Weirdo Shrine. Yeah, yeah. Which I was like yeah, not really knowing much about, and I listen to it for the podcast and it's I don't think the song craft is amazing but as like a, just a Saturday hanging around the house like late afternoon right. vibe album it's it's really good and it it never wore on me the, the the ninth one I had listed is it's an EP by this guy Sean Rowe some of you guys know who that is uh, it's called Her Song it's a six song EP um, he covers uh, songs by female artists including um Oh, who's the woman that did Ode to Divorce? Uh, Regina Spector. Yeah. There's a um, Nico uh, What's Her Face from the New Pornographer okay. song on there. <laughs> Nico, Nico What's Case. Her Face. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm really old. Uh, the, Maybe lose somebody. Yeah, maybe lose somebody. So it's it's six songs, and they're all sort of reimagined as covers. Janice Smith. The one I I Kitty think Joe. I wasn't a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Are- Aretha. What? Uh, sorry. So, um, so, so. The reason I want to bring this up is that it's not been covered a lot. I understand it's just a covers EP, and everybody does this. But for me, the reason there's two reasons why this track we're gonna play is is important. One is that we're now living in the time of the cover. I mean, into, this is the intellectual reason. Is like we had Ryan Adams cover Taylor Swift. I was just listening to the Erica Badu album, which there's. How many covers of Hotline Bling are there? Like fifty? It's just this this That's weird a low estimate. Yeah, right it's this weird copycat era. And rarely are the covers. What's the point of doing a cover? You you're paying homage, sure. And we saw a great Neil Young cover at that Future Birds show, yeah. which I thought was pretty well done. But a great cover can be worth, uh, you know, can be worth its weight in gold if it's done right and it elevates the original. And that very rarely happens. I think the Sean Rowe EP takes six songs, very disparate songs from some disparate artists and elevates each and every single one of them. The one that is... And, and so in the year of the cover, I want to play a cover that actually does what a great cover should do, which is takes the original. And Lucinda Williams, who wrote Soldier's Song, which is a great song. Yeah. Her version is good. 
has admitted that the genre version is basically better. And I, what's really stunning about this is it's a guitar, a harmonica, and a voice, and that's it. And it packs a wallop. And the less intellectual reason for this is uh, about a month after our dog Iggy died, we were driving from Durham to uh, Asheville. I had this just thrown on a mix along with the rest of the Sean Rowe album somewhere. And we were kind of shuffling through this in a car. And this song came on. It's not about a dog dying, but it is about loss. And <laughs> my wife and I, uh, who just lost our dog of 14, and a, a, 14 years and a month or so, just were just like openly weeping when we were driving down the highway. Because the, when he, you'll hear it, when he switches from head voice to chest voice, it's such a beautiful performance and it gets at what is really great about music when it's right uh that to me this is the type of thing i want more of and i feel like we so rarely get it so i wanted to just like honor my dog and honor this song and that's my pick all right soldier song sean rob i met my enemy today Baby takes the little one out to play Enemy shot two of my buddies down Baby rides the little one on the merry-go-round By my post I'm standing guard Baby hopes for roses in the front yard I don't know my enemy's name Baby takes the little one to a baseball game I am in this God-forsaken place While baby wipes the dirt Little one's face Ten years old In the killing fields A baby's plan A weekly meal Body is in a body ditch A baby's got a supper to fix My brother's got a hole in his head The little one ready for bed Today I shot my enemy Baby gives the little one a hug for me Both my buddies' legs got bone on Baby tends to the little one's cough. I stare down in the barrel of a gun. A baby's going out to have some fun. And I hear it in my ear. A baby's face is all wet with
So yeah, uh, that that song, uh, uncoincidentally, and this is uh, we're gonna get into the sad pet thing. Uh, and actually, Kenobi is at the end of every podcast. Uh, we yep. feel for the, this podcast will come out uh, on the day that we had to put down uh, soccer, mm. which is our cat. Now we have Gus and Gizmo, which are gifts to the universe <laughs> in their own minds. But. Uh, <laughs> I found myself getting a little emotional, is what I'm saying. So thanks for picking that song, Patrick. Um, Eduardo. Yeah. All right. So uh, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know how well I can follow up uh, Patrick, but I'll just run down um, my picks here. Uh, So at number 10, and I numbered these because, I don't know, because I'm old enough to believe in uh, rank. Yeah. Uh, So... um, (laughs) Sorry, Patrick. That's not a. That's not a, that's not a diss, right? Right. I mean, we need a hierarchy here. So, uh, uh, a band that probably no one has any reason to know of, um, Falling Stacks, out of uh, Bristol, England. They put out this album called No Wives, and um, the reason I know about it is because I like I internet know their drummer um, because we were active on <laughs> you like. Eno? I mean, yeah. This Did is you one swipe of these, right? This is one of these weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James James Woodard and all and I y'all let me tell you we are we are hot and heavy. No wives is the name of the album. So, <laughs> um, no. But in all seriousness, I do not know James. Although we were active on uh, similar music message boards for a number of years, he's a great follow on uh, Twitter. Um, and uh, his his band put out this. Um, this is their this is their first album and it they sound like a 90s discord band like this sounds like the third act on like mm. a five band lineup at St. Stephen's circa 1994 or something like that like this is it's exactly the kind of music that I grew up uh listening to when I went out here um as a teenager and uh even though um the discord thing is a little played I, I actually thought that that um that that album is well worth everyone's time. And I would recommend you guys listen to it. Um, uh, then I went to Brad Meldow's. Um, he put out this uh, triple 10 years piano solo retrospective. And, and Meldow is kind of like, there's some baggage there. Cause he's like prickly and, uh, and he like overthinks things. And he like, if he's playing in the trio setting, he plays over people, which is kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> and he like, you know, when it, like his first few albums, I remember buying them. They came with like these like philosophical essays in the liner notes. Like it was like I mean. his Tractus Logicus on aesthetics and whatever. Eduardo, you don't know his heart yet. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't. He's in his 50s, but he's waiting to reveal himself yes. to, to all of us. Um, and I'm actually calling this the Scott Weiland bump because... Uh, he he he's fond of covering like pop songs um and there's like a 16 minute long version of in, of uh interstate uh summer love song 
um, which is haunting, <laughs> which is so good. And uh, you didn't think you needed to hear someone playing that song for 16 minutes on a piano until you hear it. And I remember, and I, I played it the morning that the news of his death came. And I wasn't, I'm not like a huge Stone Temple Pilots fan or anything. I can but remember some times in basements at high school where I might have wanted that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, so, so now it's your dinner party music is the good news. Uh, no, he also, he does like, he does a really good, and again, this sounds terrible on paper. He does an, an amazing Smells Like Teen Spirit, um, which is similarly long. Uh, 14 or 15 minutes um, really good he does a couple of Radiohead tunes he does a really good version of Blackbird on that he does some jazz standards too um, it works because again like he doesn't always play nicely with other musicians but it's solo piano so he can be indulgent and brainy and and difficult so um, I've heard a couple of his Radiohead ones they're good yeah he's done like exit music yep, yep. Um, he does uh, on this one he does Knives Out yep, and that's uh, I heard on KMHD or something yeah that's and like Jigsaw Falling yeah. Into Place I think yeah. um, really good uh, it's the year 2015 and I get to talk about Faith No More uh, <laughs> which is sort of like my chunky glasses origin story. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but uh, every but, superhero has an origin. So I was thinking about this because, like, I think we've had enough. We've seen enough reunions now that we can like start ranking reunions based on like the first rule should always be do no harm and like don't mm-hmm. right don't diminish your legacy. Um, <laughs> Pixies. Fra- yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, and a number of bands have failed at that. Um, like we could debate whether the Grateful Dead uh, diminished their legacy. I, I don't think we have to debate yeah. that. <laughs> That's... Uh, the, the Santa Clara shows were good. Uh, were better than the Chicago shows. Um, but let's not go down that. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. So 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 Faith No More. They actually put out like a really good album by Faith No More standards and. Um, it doesn't like rise to the heights of their, and every time Carrie's on the show, I get, I we get to like, talk about Faith No More, right? It's like, come up like every you, single time. You have to like plug that into every podcast. I've got a mention Faith No More. I didn't, I didn't do it that last time. Last time you brought, actually, actually you brought, you brought him up and I, and I, I just co-signed heartily. Exactly. I think it's funny that you mentioned this is a really good album by Faith No More standards. And that's why I was like, well, look at Paul, I was like, what does that mean? Like, it, it means I can't be objective about Faith No More. Okay. So I just, but like. But it's again, it's the year 2015. You rocked him verily. <laughs> they, you know, I got to mosh this year, guys. Like that's something I've not done in like a good couple Should've of years. Should have gone to the car seat headdress You went to their show. Uh, I, I certainly did. So were there like guys with skateboards and like sweaters tied around their waist who were like, "You want it all." <laughs> that's it's a very sing-songy that, podcast. That's the. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was actually the admission criteria was that you had to wear like flannel and then and kill a goldfish. No, <laughs> no, 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 knowing this is on knowing this is on your list now, uh, should we publish like your writing sample yeah. with the hot Probably, takes? probably yes. not. Like a manifesto. <laughs> I still want the published. Oh, they are, they are. Okay, um, Kevin, Kevin put like a nice like fire uh, portrait around yeah, them because, I, I because of the, the hotness of the take. 2016, new column, Eduardo's Hot Takes. Uh, there was a bizarro film discussion that broke out on those notes, but anyway, keep going, sorry. Well, right, Shane Carruth was... Uh, yeah, yeah, but was, I, my uh, replies were not uh, published as part right, of that. So right. I think they're canon, though, so we'll... <laughs> All right. Uh, Yeah, Faith. Um, So then um, Donnie McCaslin put out this album called Fast Future. He's a sax player. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised that um, Kamasi Washington didn't end up on my top 10. I really liked the epic, but um, 
but it's kind of a difficult album to like right. love completely. Um, mostly because it's like three hours long. Uh, the Donnie McCaslin one, Fast Future, it, 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 it on paper does not sound like you would uh, like it's a good idea because there's sort of some EDM type components here. There's there's clearly like a Boards of Canada or like an Aphex Twin type yeah. thing happening, but it's still very much jazz music and it really brings some new things to the table that 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 are not. Um, and he's so it's on Dave Douglas's label. Like he's a guy who's like played with. The, uh, you know, with John, uh, John Schofield and the Medeskis of the world and all that. Like, he's very much of that, of that scene. a Medeski scene. clan? Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> the Medeskis of the world. He's part of the, uh, the, the Medeski. The Idol Medeski. <laughs> <laughs> the Medeski universe. Uh, um, but, but I really think, like, that's just a, it's just a really engaging jazz album. And it's kind of peppy and fun in a way that you don't expect, um, like really high high caliber jazz to to be today. Um, Sorry, are you gonna list this at the end? Because I actually really want to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. Show notes. Uh, we we can skip over Phil Cook because we've all talked about him. Ooh. Well, yeah. Um, I I, I want to spend a couple minutes on uh, Lady Lamb actually, which is Ali. Great record. Yeah. Great record. Yeah. I yeah. really. Uh, really this was, this this was one of those we were talking earlier about how like you try to like. Um, have like a net where you catch things that you might not fully like understand when they first come out. And that, so when I was revisiting um, the releases this year, um, a song from that Lady Lamb album came up after. And it's just like, it was just so urgent and so immediate. Um, she has this what way. Uh, what's that? What song? It was uh, uh, Violet Clementine, I think, the one where she keeps repeating the phrase about a yellow yard that'll help you if you fall, if you fall. And then it just goes fucking apeshit from there. Um, the whole album is like it's raw and it's like strong and vulnerable. And there's like she's she has this way of writing where like most songwriters talk about like if if they have a lyric with like eyes or heart, like you don't picture like eyeballs or like that organ that keeps blood flowing to your body and the way she writes like you know the opening song is called vena cava so it's like literally the heart um she you know she's talking about a breakup and separation as like rib cages being pried apart like it's a very there's like a uh, like a really kind of almost upsetting way that she disembodies people in her songs and so yeah, well, like it's sort of like you know, like Adele like is trying to call her lover. Like she wants her lover on like the table with a scalpel, so she can cut him open and like see what's actually happening inside there. And then she wants to stalk him. <laughs> I just want to chime in and support. Uh, I've not caught into the entire album, but the song "Penny Licks" is on one of the mixes I had. It. I think it's great. I think she's really interesting. Yeah, she's, milk duds. Yeah, song. yeah. She's right, right. Um, I think that's a first in music, like waking up with your lover on a pile of milk duds, of melted milk duds. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, but not the last. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it's it's going to become its own. <laughs> well, uh, um, AP bringing in the comments. <laughs> no, so I I don't know. She was she was kind of my audible on this. I I I, I didn't. Um, like I said, I, I missed that album the first time around. I've been listening to it like nonstop for the past week, and it is fucking righteous. I highly recommend it. Courtney Barnett, um, I'm going to talk about my number three pick in a second, and then two and one, Joanna Newsom's Divers. No surprise to the uh, flame <sighs> takes. And like Kendrick. It. 
Kendrick's sitting on the throne. Yeah, Kendrick's sitting on the throne. As well he should be. Um, the song I picked is off of... Um, I, th- I hope this is a Chunky Glasses first that we're, that you're playing a song it absolutely, in Portuguese. I guarantee in Portuguese. You, nobody yeah. in this room has heard this. Fantastic. Um, so this is a guy named uh, Cicero Lynch. Um, he's, from, uh, he's from Rio. He lives in Sao Paulo now. This is his third album. He's part of a kind of a nascent crop of like sophisticated alternative um, singer-songwriters in Brazil. His Brazilian music is like there are a lot of dinosaurs sitting at the top of the pyramid. And it's sort of like if you can imagine like um, not not only that people like like, you know, David Bowie or not only that they're still around, but that they're still basically the people who call the shots in the industry. Right. Like that's the situation in Brazil. Like like David Bowie is, it's great that he's still around. Are you saying Elton John is the king of Brazil? Kind, <laughs> kind of, actually. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's like Billy Joel and Elton John. Oh, control. that were literally oh. like. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's difficult Brazil. for, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult for, uh, for, for new people to come out. Secretary of Defense, Daryl Hall. <laughs> I think Boston's still like number one in the charts. In <laughs> they actually, NASA. actually, actually, Brazil will never let Hotel California die. This is a little known fact. Is that <laughs> is that there is a radio station in Brazil somewhere playing Hotel Maybe. California twenty four hours a day? We're moving. So, <laughs> look, world. you can take over Canada. You can take over Brazil. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so yeah he put out this really nice album it's short um, all the songs are pretty much under four minutes they're all really nicely layered it's sort of uh, he says that it's about this sense of like urban melancholy um, he clearly misses Rio a little bit it's about um, even the happy songs don't sound all that happy it's called A Praia which means the beach um, and it starts out with him saying it's just been a while since I've been to the beach and then and this is we're going to hear the last song on it which kind of conveys a sense of arrival and longing and nostalgia and all that. All right. Let's hear it.
there's a nice snare out on that. Yeah. It's a, 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 maybe at first for a year in play. That's the first time. I, I, you sent it to me, and I was like, I'm not going to listen to it. Oh, nice. I want to hear it like in the that, Yeah. That's, yeah. that's gorgeous. It's a really, he has, he has a really nice sensibility, I think. And it's just like all the songs feel very finely crafted. It's not, they're not like big and ambitious, mm-hmm. but they just, they have lots of layers and there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an every occasion kind of album. So, yeah. All right. Carrie. Okay. Get on the mic. Pick a mic. <laughs> um, Talking to it. I'm in the middle of the couch. and um, There's the Muppet. You know what There we do. go. <laughs> um, I, uh, again, went with the not not albums that I think are the absolute best of the year or that are the most musically splendid or anything like that. It's just stuff that I continued to listen to again and again mm-hmm. um, and that I kept coming back to and found that I could listen to the entire album and that I was actively forcing other people to listen to them whether they wanted to or not. Um, I took a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I took a lot of stuff off uh, my larger list if I'd seen it written down ten times yeah. somewhere else, or if I knew that one of you guys was going to cover it. Just because I feel like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. I, yeah, but it's it's like if 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 anybody else is listening to this podcast for the reason that I look at other people's top tens, it's okay. sometimes it's just to make yeah. sure that I haven't missed something over the year or so oh, somebody. You, you're basically <laughs> doing the due diligence that I should have been doing. No, it's just I, I'm coming to it from a different point of view that I. I'm going to look at the liner notes from this podcast and all the stuff that you guys are talking yeah. about that I have missed or dropped out of over the year. I'm going to go back and listen to it. I appreciate um, it. So what I did was I everything that's already been on 10 other lists, uh, you know, like Joan Shelley, uh, Over and Even, I really like. <laughs> and apparently everybody, everybody loves some harmonica in the middle of me talking. Um, there's, there's a number of different uh, things out there. You know, I will say Courtney Barnett is... I love, love, love that album. So I feel like yeah. I have to say it, even though it is on everybody's damn top ten. I think she like got nominated for Grammys. So of course she did. I don't really need to talk about her Sorry, for anybody Wilco. to. Sorry. I don't. I know, but Wilco's on. Wilco's also. You know, I went ahead and put Wilco on here just because Star Wars. I just. I love everything about the concept of that. It's got a kitten on yeah. it. It's called Star Wars. <laughs> it popped out. Nobody knew it was coming. And I friggin' love Wilco. Daria so. doesn't know it, but I've got a velvet painting that we're mounting on the ceiling. <laughs> Lady, I think yeah. that is a stunning, stunning, stellar idea. Um, I, I've got Casey Musgraves just because I couldn't oh. not put her on there. And you can moan and groan and scream and yell. I don't care. I just freaking listened to that album probably 7,000 times this year. I love it. I love, love it. Um, I put Monk Parker on my list. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people thought he's uh, a little boring and they just really couldn't get into it the it didn't really make a whole lot of noise when it came out um but it's one of the albums this year that i found myself listening to in its entirety a lot it's got um a lot of blends of um other artists that I really like, he gets compared a lot to Phosphorescent and Tallest Man yeah, on Earth. I, and when I heard it, but I, I, I don't, I don't see that at all. Like I, I mean, see it a little, but but I. If you steal what I'm getting ready to say, I am gonna okay, like I'll, I'll Rochambeau I'll you. <laughs> Just, Go ahead. Are you gonna say? Are you gonna say? No. Yellow, are you gonna say Yellow Tango? No. Are you gonna say Low Anthem? No. Okay, then continue. Well, actually, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, because you know, anybody that has ever—I mean, I'm not on this podcast too, too much—but I love Low Anthem and Yola Tango from like their early days and like the mid '90s stuff. Yeah. Like, I can feel the heart beating as one. 
that's what this really reminds me of. Um, if anybody is Solid endorsement, yeah. Yes. If anybody's yeah. if anybody's listening to this and they haven't heard Monk Parker, just listen to "Sadly Yes." It is the the one song that really I think is a standout on that album. It's you know if you ever get a chance to see the Northern Lights, like that's the soundtrack that you should be listening to. It's it's got this high lonesome feel to it. Uh, there's some Calexico in it. I mean, there's just, there were a yeah. lot of things in that album that I really really liked. I didn't think that it would be on anybody else's list, and I wanted to kind of point that out. My top album of the year. Patrick Watson, because of course it's Patrick Watson. Um, How could it not? Love, <laughs> love not songs be. for robots. I've seen I've seen Patrick <clears throat> Watson with you now like two or three times. Yeah, and I will and say that his like... prior his prior stuff has not made it to any of my top lists. It's always yeah. been work that's in the background that I've really really, really appreciated. That it's always fantastic. I will say that the youth vote, <laughs> i.e. the child that's in my car that has to listen to what I like, also says... Uh, I thought you were to... referring to Quinn. <laughs> I, I think Quinn... Damn, bro! <laughs> I think Quinn's list is probably more interesting and, and disparate than mine, but um, I, I think that Patrick Watson really just hit his stride with this album. It is a perfectly Good. orchestrated album. It has got so many high points on it. It hits so many different interesting layers. The melodies are beautiful. The lyrics are, you know, quirky mm-hmm. enough to really get behind. Um, I have... Uh, it's, it's all high points, actually. It's all high points. It is It is really just... I, I, I think I'm going to be listening to this for the next 20 years. It is really just fantastic. I was on that podcast with you. I just want to say I like that album a lot. Yeah. Actually, I, I had to miss that that podcast. I think I've oh, sent no, in. Oh, no, no. It wasn't. You it were not here. Sorry. No. Okay, but had, I, yes, I sent in a, I sent in a, I love you, Patrick. I sent in a, I love you, Patrick Watson. In my mind, you were there, but I think I, we were very favorable. I was out of town during yeah. that podcast, yeah. and Kevin was like, thank God, because there's like be too much <laughs> drool on the on the microphone. Yeah. Um, it oh, is he really survived just, the, po- the Father John Misty podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, Love Songs for Robots is the title track. I uh, picked Good Morning, Mr. Wolf, because it's a... It's unfortunately it's really long, so you guys are in for a six-minute joyride. But it's uh, it's got a lot of the um, highs and lows of the album. So, right. good morning, Mr. Wolf. Let's do it. You can hear the 
All right, Carrie, playing us out at the uh, end of part one of our uh, Best of 2015 podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, ho- hopefully, my, my hope is actually that there was something in there that maybe you didn't hear uh, this year, and maybe we just turned it on, turned you or turned you on to it. Um, and uh, you know, if that didn't happen, that's okay. Uh, maybe it's something you forgot about. Maybe it's I, I don't know what the opposite of the word commiserate uh, is. Co appreciate, maybe. Uh, not a facts-based podcast, not at all, uh, so it doesn't matter. But uh, maybe you know you just enjoy listening to that and, and sharing uh, the love that one of our panelists had uh, for a song, a track, an album, and whatnot. Um, we're going to be back tomorrow. We're just not going to take a week, so uh, tune in. You know, maybe it's time for a bathroom break. 
flip the tape, uh, get a new beverage, re-up your comfort and whatnot, um, yeah, we'll be here. So, see you tomorrow. All right. All right, guys. See you in a few. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>